to Venture Collective. We're going to cover a very difficult topic again today, and there's been another mass shooting. There's been several mass shootings in the past decade, and it's really tragic because we're becoming more immune to it. We're becoming more outraged to it, yes, but we're also immune to the situation. I know there's conversations from both sides of the aisles, from a political spectrum on what we do with guns. Do we ban semi-automatic or assault rifles? Do we continue to have more background checks in place? Are all these conversations that are happening about gun control? And can I just say we need to stop talking about gun control? I mean, yes, I do think we should have more background checks in place for a lot of other things. I think we should make sure that the people who are purchasing guns are purchasing guns that are responsible. But talking about gun control to some degree, I think is like talking about switching out a Band-Aid when you have a massive cut. When what you really need to have is stitches and close that up. We're just switching out the band-aids and acting like we're accomplishing something. See, when we're talking about guns and we're talking about gun control, that's not the problem. When you look at the protests that have happened these past years and you're looking at the online bullying and the evil, vicious culture that we're living in, the fact that everybody is less tolerant with each other and there's more argument, there's more fighting. I think the problem, the root cause is sin. When you look at gun control, according to the FBI.gov website, from 2000, from the year 2000 to 2018, there have been 277 incidents that occurred in those 18 years, between 2000 and 2018. Out of the 277 incidents, 2,430 casualties. Those are those that were killed and wounded. Out of the 2,430 people that were either killed or wounded, 1,546 people were wounded in those 277 incidents. 884 people were killed out of those 277 incidents of mass shooting in America between 2000 and 2018. We live in a sinful and fallen world. How do we stop gun violence? How do we stop violence? How do we stop hate? How do we stop racism? How do we stop the things that this country has been yelling about for the past at least five years from the top of its lungs? Problem is sin. See, when when bad things happen, people tend to blame God. People tend to get mad at God. People tend to yell at God. But we don't look at the problem of the sinful nature that we have. God cannot produce or promote evil in any way, shape, or form. The only thing God can do is permit it to happen. See, God is perfect. And as such, he can't either perform or produce sin. He is flawless. An absolutely flawless God cannot act in a way that is flawed. See, the world that God made, and he made everything in it in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God looked at everything and said it was very good. And although he cannot produce or promote sin, God can and does permit it. Why? I don't know. But in allowing sin to occur, he accomplishes his own higher purpose. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. And we can't even really truly fully comprehend God who's incomprehensible. But what we can do is look at the fact that sin is here. And we are living in a fallen world. And we have to look at why sin is here and how it came in. And we see that in the beginning of sin, it's found where? In free will. God gave us the power of choice. 
which in itself is a good thing. But tragically, we as human beings misuse our God-given freedom. So what is sin? Well, it literally means missing the mark. Sin is a rebellion against a holy God. God is absolutely flawless. He's absolutely perfect. He's absolutely holy. That is the standard of who God is. Perfection. It's unblemished. And because of that, we have all, as Romans 3.23 said, fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned and fallen short of it. Failure to be holy or love in a way that God is misses the mark. And that's sin. Adam was created with free will, and in that free will, Adam had the ability to obey God by, or sin by disobeying God. It was his choice. God gave him that option. Humans are, cannot be both free and unable to sin. If we are unable to sin, we're not free. But if we're free, we have the choice to sin, or we have the choice to do what's right and obey God. Adam chose something that was wrong. We have to understand Satan did not make Adam sin. He only tempted Adam. Adam and Eve sinned by their own free choice in the garden. The first thing that we see here in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3 that Satan does by tempting Adam and Eve to sin, if we look at the scriptures, you'll see that the lordship of God is removed. In Genesis chapter 1, God is creating things, and he makes himself known as the creator. And if you ever look in Genesis chapter 2, the word Lord God is there. Capital L-O-R-D. Lord God. Well, Lord is Yahweh. It is God's covenantal name. And in Genesis chapter 1, God was making himself known as creator. So you see things that says God said, or God made, or God created. In Genesis chapter 2, after the Sabbath, when creation was finished, God lorded or presided over his creation. God was present in Genesis chapter 2. You see words that said God commanded or God formed or God took. God provided in Genesis chapter 2. But the crafty serpent came, powered by Satan. He goes to Eve and asks, did God really say? And the first thing I want to see there is the word Lord is removed in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the word Lord is removed. Because in Genesis chapter 2, Lord God, it's Yahweh Elohim. It is mentioned 11 times in 25 verses. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, Lord God. Verse 5, Lord God. Verse 7, Lord God. Verse 8, Lord God. Verse 9, Lord God. Verse 16, Lord God. Verse 18, Lord God. Verse 19, Lord God. Verse 21, Lord. so the Lord God caused a deep sleep. Verse 22, Lord God. See, the Lord God is talking about God's personal covenantal name. It's his presence. It's an intimate way to know somebody by their name. And we see again that it's mentioned 11 times in 25 verses in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 3, the first thing it says out of the ESV says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beasts in the field that the Lord God had made. And then he said to the woman, did God actually say, and boom, the word Lord is removed. When being tempted by Satan, the first thing he wants to do is remove the lordship and personal relationship away from God. See, Satan doesn't want people living under the reign of God and enjoying the freedom of being under him. God wants us to have a life of freedom and purpose. Satan deceives and entraps. But because of sin, we have death and we are slaves to sin and we have a distorted 
relationship. See, Satan questions the authority of God's word. He says, did God really say? Satan questions and distorts the authority of scripture. God wrote a book. He went through a lot of time and a lot of hard work to write it. I think it's why we obey it. See, but people want to find reasons to say that it's not relevant today. They'll say that the book was written by man, or it's over 2,000 years ago, or it's myths, or it's out of date, or it's not relevant to us. But listen, see, it is God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We must be at a place where we acknowledge God's word as authoritative. The question is, does God's word have the authority to change your behavior? If we get to a point where we question, did God actually say we are literally quoting Satan from the garden on what he said to Eve? Did God really say not to touch that? Did God really say that behavior is not okay? Did God really say to love one another? And we start asking that question and Satan, we're literally quoting it from him. So that's what happens. Satan removes the lordship of God. Satan questions the authority of God's word. And then he also entices our desires. We have to understand that sin in its essence is desiring and loving something, anything rather than God. Eve ate the fruit because she desired the fruit more than she desired God. It says in verse 6 that she saw the tree was good for fruit food. That it was a delight to the eyes, and that it, the tree was desired to make one wise. That is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's what the Bible says. And it's not just Eve who's guilty, it's both. See, there are sins of commission, which are things that one should not do, but does do. And then there are sins of omission, which are things that, sh- that one should do, but doesn't. So Eve should not have taken the fruit from the tree. That is the sin of commission. But Adam should have stopped her from it, and he didn't. That's the sin of omission. Both are present in the garden. Both are guilty. See, sin is the opposite of God's attributes. God is holy. Sin is unholy. God is righteous or just. Sin is unrighteousness and injustice. God is perfect, and sin is moral imperfection. God is love. And sin is unloving. How does God feel about this? Because he sees it. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. The word regretted there means he was pained. It's like somebody's just punching you really, really hard in the stomach and it's causing you that pain. See, the Lord God is pained and it grieves him to his heart. The sin that we have, the things that are happening in this world, it is causing God pain and grieving him to his heart. So what do we do? What do we do about the sin that's in this world? What's the solution to the problem? 
What's the solution to the problem for hate? What's the solution to the problem for racism? What's the solution to the problem for injustice? What's the solution to the problem for gun control? It is turning away from sin. It is corporate repentance on a country. We as a country need to repent from our sins and turn towards God. That is true. We need to live as God originally planned, which is his people living under him, the freedom to live under him in perfection as he is the Lord of our lives. We have to desire God's will first, not our will. And we have to obey God's authoritative word. And we need to submit to the lordship of God. If we live according to the way that scripture tells us to live, then we're going to love one another. We're going to support one another. We can encourage one another. This is what scripture says about love. Starting in 1 John chapter 3, at verse 15, it says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It's verse 18. See, I love it because Scripture is saying, don't talk about it, be about it. Don't just talk about love, show love, demonstrate love. That's why talking about gun control, it's only a band-aid. If you remove the guns, you're going to have knives. You remove the knives, you're going to have clubs. You remove the clubs, you're going to have fists. It's a heart change because at the end of the day, everything that's happening is a heart issue. How do we show love to one another? How do we encourage one another? How do we support one another? How do we lay down our lives for one another? We are to love the way that God loved, sacrificially, by putting other people above ourselves and serving others, not being served. So I'm going to continue to pray for this country, and I'm going to continue to pray for you. And I ask you to join me in prayer that we as a country and we as a world can turn away from sin, repent from it, confess it, and turn towards God and live the way that God wants us to live. Until our next venture together, love God and love others. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Venture Collective Podcast. You can check us out on Twitter at Venture underscore podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us so you can keep current on what we venture into next. Until our next venture together, love God and love others. 